Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Dorothy, and I'm chatting with Jay Scott on the Rock. Everybody doing today. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks again for stopping by and listening. We always appreciate any type of five star or four star review that you can give us, or the whatever you whatever feedback you want to lay on us wherever you podcast. Please do. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button or follow button wherever you do podcasts, and set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. Uh, we've had some. Fantastic episodes recently. We had Rick Rick Nielsen and Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick on. We had Richie Kotzen. We've had some great new bands recently. Austin Mead, Empire, Dead Blonde Stars, Abby Kay. We just welcomed Dorothy back on the show. And we had Ace Von Johnson and Sam Bam Colton, Ace from LA Guns and Sam Bam Colton from the band Dorothy uh, on, uh, on a collaborative episode. So that was a lot of fun too as well. We also mentioned that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast, a great network of music-related podcasts. Check out them at PantheonPodcast.com and then all social media platforms at Pantheon Pods. And check out The Hook Rocks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Hook Rocks. And again, we always appreciate you listening. And we're coming up on our five-year, four-year anniversary. We've been doing this for three and a half years. Um, So in June here, which is right around the corner, it's hard to believe it's March already. 
that um, we're going to be celebrating that. So please join in and, and uh, have uh, have uh, the fun with us and join in the celebration too as well. My next guest is uh, a privilege to talk to once again. When I first started this podcast, he was one of my first guests on this show. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. And if this podcast has done one thing for me, it's it's given me a different perspective on the music business. And during that interview, we talked about the ordeal it was in the beginning of this band's career, in the beginning of his career, of the struggle and how the music industry does work in, in some corners of it. And it's the ugly side of it. And it really kind of began to open up my eyes as to what bands and what artists deal with uh, a lot, a lot more than we think. It was also a great conversation because we talked about perseverance and what he went through too as well. And it was a great interview. I think it was back in October of 2019. If you have a chance to go back and listen to that, I highly suggest it. But nonetheless, he's back for the third time. And that is Chris Tapp of the band The Cold Stairs. What's happening, Chris? How are you? I'm great, Jay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this, man. You got the new album coming out, Voices. I'm excited about it. Um, it's uh, God, I can't believe how fast the cycle does turn in this business. Because back in 2021, we were celebrating the, you know, the album that you released. I saw you guys live at The Forge in Joliet. And here we are with a new album, but you've got an added member to the band, which, you know, I know you were talking about it for a while. You weren't sure. And you made the decision to to add that extra element to your music, to your band. What's that been like in terms of creating for this album, not just for the band, but for you personally, having to think about another person when you're writing music, when you're writing the songs and putting this together? Well, we knew, I knew going into this record, we needed to do, you know, try to just mix it up. So, um, you know, the intention was to write a record for three people as a three piece and just to kind of, you know, we, I just felt like as a two piece, we'd kind of run our course and, um, creatively, you know, you always, you always need that spark going into an album. Um, and this one was, you know, having bringing Bryce in, we were able to, play the play the album basically live in a room uh, with the exception of a couple of solos and some vocal overdubs um which is another thing we wanted to do you know in the past Brian and I would would do that but then I'd go back and do bass and keys and vocals and um so it was nice nice to write the record for that and then be able to pull it off as a three piece when you think of the band's career i mean we we talked for the first time in 2019 and when we had that conversation i forget where the event was but there was like a battle of the bands type thing that you guys did and you guys won it and it was a big moment for you guys it was a big moment for the band and now you know here we are so many years later you've toured europe you're becoming a more recognizable name uh, with people, when you think back of those times early on in the band's career to now, what have you learned? What have you? What's the biggest thing that you could take away over the last, you know, four four plus years? Um, there's always points 
if you stick in it long enough, there's always points that you look back and go, well, if we, if we had quit then, then this wouldn't have happened. Like if we, if we had quit in 2018 after mountain, um, I wouldn't have got the fender endorsement, uh, and we wouldn't have gone to LA and had those tours in 2019. We wouldn't have gone to Scandinavia for the first time. If we'd quit in 2020, when the shutdowns and the lock and the COVID stuff happened, we wouldn't have seen France, Germany, Spain. We wouldn't have gotten, you know, those tours. Um, and we wouldn't have gotten a Dodge commercial. You know, there's so many things that you achieve by just perseverance and sticking it out. And I'm sure that everybody, um, whatever preoccupation or occupation, I should say preoccupation, whatever occupation that you're doing, I'm sure you get to a point where you kind of know it's time to move on and do something different. Um, but I think the, the mindset of not giving up, especially if it's something that you believe in, you see those payoffs, um, you know, as you go on down the road. And I think that when you have something that you believe in, um, you know, we're still scrapping, we're still fighting. We believe in the, in the songs that we have and we're still scrapping for people to hear those. And, um, you gotta believe in yourself. That's, that's a, that's a big thing. And then you just have to decide how bad you want it. Cause we certainly had plenty of things that, that came up along the way that we could have stopped at that point, but luckily we stuck it out. I, I think that's, you know, the log- logical next question for you is, you know, with, all the things that you've dealt with personally, your health, you know, you, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, the, the record deal or whatever happened with, I remember the story you told me that we just, you know, I, when I did the intro here to now, you know, there's been obstacles, there's been challenges. And, and then we have the pandemic, you know, where, you know, you have to put everything on pause. Um, you can't play places that you normally would because things are shut down in certain areas of the country. And, it's hard to logistically do a tour. So you've had all these things. Was there ever a moment that you felt it was time to walk away with, with, you know, just because the the deck was stacked against you? Um, there were, there have been moments that, that I thought it might be time to pivot and do things differently. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to get a record deal than it is to get a great booking agent. We've struggled over the years. I've booked a lot of our shows and, I know a lot of our friends, um, and bands or colleagues that are kind of where the level that we are. Um, and so the booking thing has always been a struggle. So it, it was always, you know, we did very well with the licensed stuff that we got with the Mojo hand being in, uh, cyberpunk and then with the commercials and the TV spots we've got. And so that stuff, you can look at it and say, well, that stuff is bringing in the majority of the income. Maybe we should focus on that and, or, you know, I should focus on that as a songwriter and, and let some of the touring stuff go. Um, you know, the lockdowns and the COVID that all that, I don't, I'm not for sure what we were thinking or what I thought then. I did, I, you know, people started doing these live um, YouTube concerts and some of that. And, um, we did one or two of those, but it's just, you know, I didn't want to get too attached to that because we thought and we, we were hoping and praying that touring would open back up when you get back on the road. When we were going into 2020, we had such a big year plan and all that, you know, we had, we lost tours. We lost, um, the cruise with Joe Bonamassa. We lost a lot of things that got pushed back to, to 2021 and 22. But I think 
you know, at this point I've done it so long and Brian and I have played together so long, um, that you're, you're lifers, you know, the good thing about me, I'd gotten my college degree before I got super serious about music. We've always, I, I feel like that I could have probably been this successful earlier in life. Hadn't I been a father and, and a husband and, you know, taking care of, some other things that we had to take care of along the way and Brian as well and, and some missteps. But I will say that I think that I don't think I would have been as smart about success earlier on as what I am now. Now we've really, really worked for it. We really understand what it takes to get to the point that we're at and we don't take any of that for granted. Um, and so I think it's put us in a position to, to have another 10 years. You know, I don't, the the joy for me comes in uh the records and recording and, and putting out music because I think that's the legacy that you leave. And I've always felt like if we consistently write good songs and record, you know, good stuff that long after we're done, hopefully people will still discover it and listen to it and it'll have some value. A lot of artists, a lot of young artists talk about the grind that emerging bands and, and bands even that have been around for a decade, you know, give or take more or less. Um, there is a grind with touring. There is a grind with music, you know, being put out every other year as, as much as you can during a year. When you first started in this business, did you, did you understand what the grind was going to be like for yourself and for the band? Yeah, I think so. I think we had a pretty good idea. This band took off after we had some good success with the band that we were in prior. Um, so we kind of knew what it would take. And actually, but when we started this band, we, we were trying to get out of the business then. And, um, this thing was just a more of an honest, uh, representation of, especially of who I was as a songwriter. And it just, because of that, it just kind of took off, but. Um, yeah, we knew and, and, and you still know, you know, I, I hear, I hear a lot of bands, a lot of younger people, as you alluded to, uh, talking about the struggle, but I don't know that they really know what the struggle is. Like if you ask Clutch or the Rival Sons or, you know, you talk to the guys that were in Bon Jovi when they were touring for years straight or Kiss, they, they know the grind, you know, um, I think a lot of the younger bands, when they complain about stuff, I'm like, man, you have no idea what it's, what it's really like to have to, um, eat pizza rolls and, and, you know, get in the van and have three or four guys in the same hotel room. I mean, it's, it's stuff that maybe is a little bit more fun when you're younger, but it's not um, something you want to aspire to in your forties. It's more or less a different set of issues right you know the years ago the grind was much different than the grind now years ago doing the grind coming up yeah you had to be hungry and you had to work hard you know whatever the band was bon jovi kiss you know working to get to a level of success now now you have more or less do it yourself you have more or less you've got to show record labels, booking agents, management companies, what you've done on your own versus streams and views and all this stuff. There is a lack of vision in the music industry on the business side with record labels. You know, it used to be where a record company would sign a, a band and 
if they didn't make it by the third album, they would cut bait at that point, right? But they would nurture and they would try to grow the band and support the band up until that point because they made it an investment. Now the investment is, well, they're already got, they already have this many followers. They already have this many streams. They have, they put all the work in. So this is a layup more or less for a management company, a record label to sign a known, a known entity. But you're still left kind of on an island in most cases, even if you do get that, you still have to do a lot on your own. And there's still stuff that, you know, maybe you don't get the support that you thought you were going to get. So it's, and you're always, you know, when I talk about that lack of vision, there's no one at a, at a head of a record label going, man, I like that band. I like the way they sound. Let's, let's help them build something that doesn't happen anymore. So when you talk about that in context, you know, and you you go through it. I mean, you've been on the front lines of it and you kind of know and you've had the experiences that you've had. You know, I also agree with the statement that you made that a lot of bands may not understand or appreciate the grind um, and the and the tough work that, that has to go in and what what the predecessors, what their predecessors did before them. When you think of all that and you think of the state of cold stairs and what you had to go through, you know, how, how do you maintain the hungry, the hungriness that you need, or the, or the fact that you're still hungry to, to get to the next level, to get to the next plateau, to do that after doing this for so long and doing that grind? Well, fortunately for us, we've had validation that comes along. Um, you know, we, the last few years, especially as we've, as we've worked hard, and, and been in the game this long, um, you know, things happen. It's like, like I said, the licensing stuff, when you, you know, you can have your, your parents or your friends or whatever a million times tell you that your, your band's good or whatever else. If you play a show in Cleveland for 32 people and lose $300 on the trip, it's, it's pretty disheartening. But when we had, you know, we had the Chevy truck commercial for six months last year. Every time there was a football game on, you heard the cold stairs. When that stuff happens, it's enough of an incentive to go, okay, we're validated that what we're doing is at least, uh, you know, acceptable and commercial enough that a lot of people are enjoying it. How much better can we get? How much further can we go? What else can we accomplish? It doesn't, it never took a lot of carrots in front of the, the pony for us, you know, if, if, if we see that we're making progress and we, we're accomplishing some things, um, it just made me want to work harder. And I'm not for sure what the level of success is that we're shooting for. Um, because, you know, a lot of times something really good happens and you go, okay, is that it? Is that the pinnacle of where we're going to get? Cause if so, I'm, I'm happy with where we, what we've accomplished, you know, in 10 years. Um, especially with all the setbacks that we've had to get to where we are now with hundreds of thousands of listeners each month and to have fans all around the world. That's if you had asked me when we started, if we could accomplish that, if I'd be happy, I I would say yes. And I, and I am happy now. Happiness is a little bit different than satisfied. And I think if you're ever satisfied, then you should hang it up because you're not, I think you should all, we always have goals. We're always striving towards, towards new things. And, um, I, I've always felt like the songs are as good as anybody. So, uh, we didn't have, uh, some of the, 
luxuries that some other bands had when we started out. We had to create those for ourselves. And, um, but the driving force behind that has always been that we, we're as good as anybody and we have songs as good as anybody. So somebody's outperforming us. Uh, because they've got more money or they've got more backing and we're just going to have to work twice as hard to get there. To your point about um, younger bands and stuff, I have a lot of times, um, you know, people look at us and they'll, uh, especially I have a, get a lot of emails from other bands or friends that are starting bands or younger people and say, you know, you guys are, you guys have made it, you know, you guys are huge or whatever else. They don't really see what the income is or what the work is or what the investment is. It looks a little bit more luxurious than what it is. But when they ask me, you know, what, what do you, what do I need to do? Like, here's my song and the song is great and the recording is great. Now, what, what do I need to do next to get um, to the next level? And I say, do you know Photoshop? Do you know Final Cut? Do you know how to book a gig? Do you understand how to set up bands in town or, you know, they say there, there is 10 things that require input to get to a certain level of success. And one of those is music. And if you're not doing the other nine, it doesn't matter how good your music is. You know, you have to be able to make your own posters. You have to be able to cut your own videos. You have to be able to uh, figure out how to do funding things to, to raise money. You have to, there's so much that you have to do outside of writing and recording and a lot of people not willing to do that you know we've done i've done almost all the album work artwork i did the majority of our photos for a long time um, all the band posters all that stuff i did the majority of our booking until a few years ago when we've had the luxury now of having a couple good agents so it's not um it's not it's more than what a lot of people that are talented and good enough to be in the music business want to do What's that like giving up that control that you have done? You know, the photos, the designs of the posters, the booking and all that stuff. When you get to the level that you're at now, you give up some control that you were used to doing. What's that like? Giving your essentially more or less your career into someone else's hands or the decisions. You make the decisions, but they're actually doing the work. Yeah, the the luxury of where we are now is we we don't work with anybody that we don't choose to work with. So you know, just like Alex uh, Morgan, our friend that's done a, a couple of these videos, we trust him. I know what he's going to do, and what I know what the output's going to be, and I trust him with that. When we go in the studio, we work with Mark Needham Engineering or whatever else. You know, we've got a track record with him, and I know what he's going to do, and I trust him. Um, you know, Twelve Inch Media who did the video for. Um, a few of our videos now, the animated stuff, we have a relationship that I, I tell them what I want. I don't, I don't really even have to see the reference. I know that they're going to nail it. So that, that is, um, I don't trust. I don't, I don't think you should ever trust anybody with your career. That's like trusting somebody with your kid. You know, you better know them. You better have a great relationship with them. They better have skin in the game as well. Um, so, you know, you just don't, you don't give that up. You hold that close to you until you have people that you're surrounded with that you, that you know have your best interest. You talked about the validation with the, with your song being in a commercial. You also have, you know, a connection with Joe Bonamassa. 
when these things happen and how they impact the band, obviously it's a positive. But in terms of what comes next, how how does that allow you to do things that maybe you couldn't do before that validation? You know, there's always a a a response or there's always an opportunity that comes from things like that, right? And if those don't happen, you still have to kind of keep working at it. You still have to work at it regardless, but it does open doors. And how much do those moments, even moments that I didn't mention, how much have those helped keep getting the band to the next step? They're, they are, they're everything, you know, uh, the thing that you have to do is put yourself in a position to when those good things happen for you, you can really capitalize on them and you, and they have to use, you know, they have to make sense and they have to have value, uh, or else it's a gift that's, that sits underneath the tree that's never opened. Um, you know, we worked really hard on that ways record. We, we put our own money in a lot of that stuff. We were in Memphis. We bust our ass to make a great record. And when the record came out, um, we were lucky enough. Bonham also posted on his Instagram that it was his favorite musical discovery of 2019. You don't get that without the hard work. Um, but Joe's somebody that I admired and, and there's nobody really that works harder at putting out music and stuff than him. So you do, you have to capitalize on that. That means when you, are pitching a festival or when you're looking at a club um, that you're going to play or whatever else you have that ammunition in your pocket of being able to share um, those good things that happen to you. And I don't know, club, just like the blues cruise that we played, we got to see Greece and um, got to tour the Mediterranean with Joe. Um, that wouldn't have happened if Joe hadn't discovered us and, and hadn't been kind Um and ended up being a good, good friend and just a solid guy. But all those things you, you build up, you do the work to put yourself in those positions. And then when you get in that position, same with, um, the Chevy commercial or with ESPN or some of those other things, that's ammunition for your press. It's ammunition for your PR. It's ammunition for social media. It's ammunition for everything else. It gives validation to. Things and a lot of a lot of fans find us and they ha- they don't know any of that. You know, they go, "Oh, I found you on Spotify, man! I really love this song. You were in this playlist." Um, and then they, you know, along the way, find these other things that you you've accomplished, and it just gives validation to them as listeners of, "Yeah, I like these this band a lot. Look what else they've done." Um, but you can't you can't miss an opportunity to to capture, you know, it's like being in a video game and, you know, Mario or something and you jump up and you hit one of those bonus things. When you hit that bonus thing, you better be prepared to to fly with it. And um, the more of those that you can accomplish by working hard, the more opportunities that you create for yourself, for sure. You and I spoke at your show outside of Chicago a couple of years ago uh, about your tour to Europe and about the response that you had from, from the crowds that you played in front of and how, how humbling it was because you didn't really expect that. And you were kind of, I kind of got the idea that you were blown away by that as well. Like your music is connecting with people that you never thought it would connect with. When you have that experience, you know, do you ever, 
you know, sit back and just kind of while you're on stage and have that moment where, all right, I just want two seconds to kind of just all to kind of absorb this and just enjoy it. You know, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm on stage, but I just kind of want to just have this moment where, hey, you know what, we've we've gotten we've taken another step up the stairs. At the time, I think the majority of, of those situations like that, you are still working and you don't really have that moment to soak it in you know i think it's after the show or it's the next day and when we were in europe a lot of times you know we have a great show at night then the next day i'm in paris you know and i and i have to look at my my life and and just thank god that um for the opportunity and you think this is something that, that my father never got to see or my granddad never got to see or or guys you know i've got some friends from high school that are have prestigious jobs. I have a friend that's a, that runs a, a, one of the biggest chemical companies in, in America and uh, that I went to school with and, and <laughs> makes a, a shitload of money and still is envious of the position that I have, you know, as a musician to be able to do that stuff. So you, I don't, I think if you don't soak it in and you, you don't appreciate it at that moment, then you don't really understand the value of it to work harder to continue those things or to get to get to the next uh, step up from that. Um, the first time that we played Scandinavia, we went over and played a festival and then we came home. We didn't really play any other shows. We laid some groundwork and then we went back. We had more fans the second tour. And, um, when you have that success, you have to keep building. You have to keep working. You have to keep moving forward. Um, on all that stuff. Coming off the album Heavy Shoes in 2021, phenomenal record. And going into this, you know, you had the change in the band, adding another member. What was your approach to this? You know, what was it, what was different about this album going into it that you did that you had with Heavy Shoes? Heavy Shoes was was a film. It was a sentiment that kind of ran through the entire record of you know, it was a harder record. It was a, a little bit of a meaner record. A lot of the things on that record were uh, thought about uh, to make sure that we could play it live as a two-piece. Even though it had some solos, we had kind of uh, figured all that stuff out to play it live. With the exception of In the Nighttime and maybe Dust in My Hands, it's all a pretty hard rock record. Um, with Voices... The other thing with the heavy shoes is that I kind of want, I wanted that sentiment to run through the record so that they all felt cohesive with voices. I wanted to go, okay, I'm just going to write whatever. I don't care that, uh, sorry, I was late. Sounds nothing like nothing but the blues or that, um, the joy sounds nothing like ghost or whatever else. I just wanted to show off some songwriting and also to do things we hadn't done before, because if you've done one or two records, it's fine. But when you've done four, some EPs or whatever else. And Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I think it's time to show what else you can do. Um, that can be dangerous and rewarding at the same time. Um, and I love a lot of the songs on this record, but I will say that I feel like even now, because we brought Bryson so quick and went and wrote that record, um, I literally wrote it when we, we got Bryce in December and we wrote the song or the album, I wrote the songs that we went in it. We played two shows and we went right in the studio and recorded the album. And now even more so, I realize who we are as a three piece and, and what we can do. Um, so the album after this one, I'm even more excited about, but, um, we wanted, I, I just wasn't in the past. We've, I've scrapped some songs because I thought like we had some songs maybe with heavy shoes that were good, but I didn't feel like fit, fit the record. Um, but this album, that the title came to me for the record very early on voices. And I thought, I just want to give each song its own voice and not be tied down to having, I don't care if these fit together or not, or I sing different on one or the other. or not. I just, you know, so it's more of a kaleidoscope than previous stuff that we've done. We touched on it earlier, but what, what are the differences when you're writing an album for a three piece band versus a two piece? Well, as a two piece, I felt like we could pull off just about anything that a three or four piece band did other than covering solos. Now as a three piece band, I feel like we can cover just about anything. You know, we, we don't, we haven't used samples and stuff live, but we could to cover some organ stuff or whatever else, but it just allows me the freedom to, uh, not be present the entire time playing guitar. Sometimes I can play something and hold it or I can focus more on singing focus more on solos, um, focus more on coloring the song a little bit with Bryce uh, holding the ground underneath me. So it's a completely different process of three versus two. When writing this record, you just talked about just writing a song, not worrying about if the songs are cohesive. Going into this creative process, this journey for this album, what what was inspiring you? What, what was your perspective that was affecting your creativity? Um, I think to me, this record, like heavy shoes was kind of an inspiration for the whole album. This, this one was individual movies and each one really just had a different kind of inspiration, you know, and go through each song and, 
Um, each one of them looks like a separate film to me. There's a couple themes that kind of pollinate through the record, but um, in general, you know, the joy was a song that we did that we wouldn't have put on any of the other records. And I'd never really written something that was, that had a happy chorus or, you know, had, had a happy outcome. Um, but I've been remarried almost 10 years and, and very happily so. And so, I think when you were writing or singing something, the main key for it to cross over to somebody else's world is to be honest. And so um, these songs on this record are super honest. And each one of them is a sentiment and a statement that I, that whenever I wrote that song, I just felt really honest and, and um, secure about talking about it at that point. Having that perspective in writing what you write about, when do you know it's it's time to share that perspective and, and share those experiences that you're writing about? Does it just come or does it or do you do you have this idea in your head that it's time to 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 go forward with a subject that you want to write about? In the past it hasn't been difficult. Leading up to this record, it's never been that difficult because I haven't I've you know, going through cancer and going through some of the stuff that I had before, I think that some of those tones permeated into the music. I wasn't exactly singing about that exact thing. But if you even break down a song like Break My Fall, it, it's it's from Headbent. That's the story of a, a guy that's that has something happen in his life that he didn't create and he's not guilty of and doesn't know where, why he's dealing with that. And it, even that was probably dealing with uh, me, me thinking about dealing with cancer, but I, I, I felt I did. I felt at ease up to this record because I felt like I am the guy that writes the kind of dark, heavy blues stuff. That's kind of where I fit with my colleagues and the other bands that are out there. Um, so whatever I did, I kind of felt like would be accepted. This album. Um, the Joy, uh, Sorry I Was Late, a couple of songs on the album are not coming from that same place at all. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of insecurity of going, okay, how's this? How, how are our fans or how are people going to take this? Take this from somebody that hasn't gone there before. Um, but I also really started thinking about what it meant to be an artist on this album, too, and if you have something, you know, it's no different than, you know, sometimes you get that feeling and you're about to walk into some place. Maybe you shouldn't walk into there or maybe you should get out of the middle of the road or whatever else you have. As humans, we have that inclination of what you should or shouldn't do. And um, some of these songs, you know, I felt like, well, this is something that's really honest to me right now. And if I don't put it out, then I feel like I'm diminishing who I am as an artist. But don't, if I care too much about what somebody else would think or how they would take it, then it, it's not serving me as an artist. And you always want to grow, you know, as an artist, but um, the, the hardest one was probably sorry. I was late. I wrote that about my, my grandfather who committed suicide whenever I was um, in my twenties. And I had, uh, I had found him after he, he did what he did. I'm sure that, that was a life changing event for me. And I'm sure that some of the trauma from that had permeated in other songs that I had written up to this point, but I never dealt with that. 
uh, in a song. And I wrote that song in about three minutes. Um, not for the record. It just kind of, I had him on my mind one day and I had a keyboard and I wrote this thing and it just kind of came out. The song came out, but it was so natural that I thought it's a disservice not to put this on the record because it just came to me so easy. And finally, after all these years, I can just kind of put that out. And also the hope is always, um, if a song makes us happy that we share it with the fan, it makes them happy. And also if you have somebody that's listening, that's been through something similar, that's struggling, if you put out something that helps them or they can relate to, then that's, uh, that's the best thing ever. You know? So when you're writing a song like that, there's a lot of elements of emotion that go into writing and writing about something so personal. And, you know, this happened years ago for you. And this is the first time that you actually sat down and, and wrote about it in a full, in full context. Was, how did you know you were ready to write this song? Did it just come out unexpectedly or did, was it something that you felt that you were ready to kind of, to talk about, to sing about? Yeah, they, they all come out unexpectedly. I've, I've learned to just when inspiration strikes to stop what you're doing and just let it, let it happen. Um, a lot of people talk about the antenna and I'm, I'm, you know, I believe there are times that we've written music for that. I've got a cool guitar riff and I go, okay, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to write some lyrics now. Uh, and if I do that, then whatever is kind of in the front of my head at that point, um, is probably going to get put into that. You know, or sometimes I, I write a guitar riff or something and, and it sounds like Center Man off the new record sounded like a spaghetti western thing. So you kind of draw a movie in your mind and a visual in your mind of what that looks like. And then the lyrics just come to you or they, they come to me. Um, this song, that particular song, I had a keyboard. I, I got a new keyboard in just to play some organ on the new record and I sat down and the very first thing I played just it reminded me of my granddad and, and reminded me of that situation and I turned my phone on and, and I literally wrote the thing in a couple minutes. The hardest part was just trying to actually sing the completed version for the record. It took me a couple of weeks to get through it without choking up and the vocal performance on that song was not perfect. I I didn't um it's it was a very honest in real uh, thing to try to get done and get through. Um, but yeah, I think if you think too much about it, then it becomes, uh, I don't know, it becomes a different thing. Maybe that works for country music, like the modern country stuff where you have all these different writers or pop stuff, but it, that's very foreign to me. I don't, I can't, if you said, Hey, if you said, Hey, go in there and write a song about, um, riding motorcycles or write a song about the election or something. I'm sure I could do that if it's something that, that resonates with me. But for the most part, the records that we've done, and especially the last couple are something that strikes me. Uh, and, and the song comes, the idea comes and the lyrics all come. And I just am receptive to doing it at that point or writing it at that point. Do you believe a song is always in you? 
what I mean by that is with your experiences that you've had through your life and being able to write about something that happened years ago, the song was probably always in you, but the way it came out, the way it did, what triggered that song, it was the right time to write it. Maybe you couldn't have written this song five years ago, three years ago, whenever. But when you when you deal with a tragedy like this in, in your creating, there is always a song, you know, through experiences. It's just a matter of when you'll allow yourself to 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 write it. I think so. Um, I think as long as you're as you as you're continuing doing art or you're continuing to writing or it could be painting, you know, it could be you get in a position at some point where it feels okay to deal with that or, or that feeling feels the strongest at that point. And you want to strike, if you're going to write, if you're going to deal with it, then you want to do that when that feeling is the strongest. But I think of it also as like, um, you know, you see a film or you see something when you're a kid or maybe at a certain point in your life and then you see it later, it could be a speech, it could be a song, it could be a film, it could be whatever else, but at, what, at whatever point later on in your life, the maturity level or maybe the experiences that you've had funnel that through a different, you know, intake when you're watching it. Um, I can think of some, some films and some different stuff that tip me like that. So um, I think the song is probably always in you, but I think you have to be perceptive to write it and uh, to deal with it when you're the most emotional about it or when you are the most mature about it um, so that you state it the best that you can, you know, that it comes out as honest as it possibly can. Because if I'd, yeah, if I'd written that song a couple of years after his passing, it would have been a very angry song or it would have been an incredibly hurt song. It would have been a song about me. Um, where as that song is a song now about him and me being um, sorry that maybe I could have done more. You know, it's a, it's a better reflection. And so you just have to be cognizant of serving the song. Isn't that the beauty of evolving as a person? You talk about these different areas of connection or allowing your self to connect with things that have happened and you know whether it's you know your taste in music your taste in food or whether it's dealing with a situation that you kind of put off and tried to you know gain perspective on it if you keep evolving you're able to do all those things you're able to create a song like you just talked about instead of it being an angry song or a song about you you've evolved to the point in your life where you can write a song that is about this, but also kind of pay tribute to the man that he was, you know, is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't, I think when we look at, when we look back at our lives, I think as we get older, you focus on a lot of the happy parts of your life. And if you do that, maybe you're writing happy songs all the time. But I feel like as, as humans, a lot of times we think about the struggles that we've had or the struggles that we've been through. And that's a lot easier for me sometimes to write about. Um, 
maybe because of the generation that I grew up in and grunge music and um, heavy guitar stuff, you know, when you have the, the music that I gravitate towards the heavy guitar stuff or the dark blue stuff or early blue stuff all has a kind of a darker sentiment to it. That's a little easier for me to write than the happy stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's all about, it's being thoughtful, you know, about the song in general helps. You talked about the insecurities when you're creating, and I've talked to a lot of artists about that insecurity. Like, you don't know if it's good enough. You don't know if this is the right move for the band, for the right move for, you know, to put on an album. There's always these elements because I think artists in general sometimes lack self-confidence, sometimes, you know, are, are insecure because of the way this business is and just what creating is, right? You're creating something... And you don't know if it's going to connect with people. You don't know. It's Everything is a chance. When you deal with that stuff, do you draw on the experiences you've lived with that you've overcome to help push you through, to say, hey, you know what? This is going to be okay. I believe in this. I've dealt with this you know, stuff. I've dealt with challenges. And I can, you know, I can get through this insecurity. I can get through this moment of lack of self-confidence. Because I know what I've achieved, I know what I've gone through. Does that help you deal with that stuff? Um, sure, but you don't. You don't even get to the point that we're at unless you really believe in it from the start. I mean, I I think the the the, the best um, cue for success in any of that is um, that you 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 believe in it ten times more than anybody ever is going to believe in it from the very start. And you don't, um, you always write and record and just approach it that, um, to make yourself satisfied and happy first, because if you, if you're, you know, we did that with the previous band, we were very close to getting a record deal. We were doing showcases and I was writing for, for success. I was trying to write what I thought the record company wanted to hear to get a record deal. That. With this band, I've never written anything for anybody else. I've never once written a song with this band that I thought, I'm going to write this because I think that it will go over with this crowd or I think it will work. Um, you know, I just, just write what I'm happy with. And, and, and you always use the references of the people that you admire. You know, we love the Black Crows. We love, um, some of the other bands that we grew up in. And we're, and we're always trying to meet that threshold of does a recording sound as good as that, you know, uh, is, are the lyrics as good? So, you know, you, you have goals and aspirations of meeting, um, the level of expertise of the people that you admire. But I, I don't think, if, I think if you worry too much about what somebody else is going to think, then it's not good. My insecurities come from, uh, how's the, is the guitar tone good or, how did we sound that night? Or, or my throat was kind of crappy and we had people that I admire in the audience and I didn't sing maybe as well as I could have, but you get too much into second guessing that stuff um, or overanalyzing it, man, that's, that's not, that's not good for your success or for anybody really. We've talked in the past about your tone and about how you developed the tone that you have, the bottom end, you know, on, on a two piece is very hard to, to, to have, you know, a lot of, not a lot of two piece bands have that. 
Um, two questions, kind of a two part question is one, are you still chasing tone? Are you comfortable where your sound is at? And two, did you have to change because of adding a bass player to adding someone else in the band? Yeah, I wanted to change, um, just because I felt like we had accomplished what we needed to accomplish. I mean, we, if you saw us live between 2012 and 2019, there never was a time that we played and somebody didn't come up and go, wow, man, you guys sound giant for a two piece or where's the bass coming from? Or, you know, we accomplished that. And so the other thing is I played a lot of guitar between 2012 and 2020 and, and became a much better guitar player and also uh, got to a point where I was, I'm able to emulate a lot of the stuff that I respect or that, you know, I'll, that, that gets me off. Um, so I'm, I'm in a happy place now because I'm, I'm playing, I like I'm playing guitar better than ever. I'm happy with the, the solos on this record. I'm happy with, um, I'm not satisfied. Again, we talked about that earlier. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at, but I'm happy in a point that I feel like I'm carving out a little bit of a niche for myself. I'm not, uh, Joe Bonamassa or Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and I'm not Scott Holiday. Everybody's kind of got their thing and their role. And I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, with each record, I'm kind of drilling out of, you know, of carving who I am in relationship to the other people that I really admire. So I'm, I'm in a good place and, and happy with that. And I love having different guitars and different tones and being able to, to explore a little bit more with Bryce and the band now. So having seen you guys live, I can attest to how full you guys were when it were, you were a two piece. When I saw you outside of Chicago, couple of years ago. I mean, I was blown away. I didn't know what to expect. I knew I loved the music, but you know, the true test is always how, how do you sound live? And I remember I turned on my friend. I'm like, I can't believe there's only two people up there. That's incredible. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And it was just, it was fantastic. And, you know, for my listeners out there who haven't seen the cold stairs, you must, because it's, it's a fantastic show. Um, it's just, uh, it really does. The music does come alive as so many other bands too, whose music comes alive in, in a live setting. But when you are recording an album, how do you try to capture that energy that you guys have on stage? How do you try to capture that, that vibe that you bring to the table when you play, play a live show? Um, you just mean it. You know, it's just, you just be honest as you can with it and you mean it. I mean, what I'm saying, I believe in the parts. Brian, you know, is, is slugging away on the drums and Bryce is playing things that he's comfortable with and that we're all getting off on. And, um, I think you just have to, you know, you better bring it when you're in the studio. You better, you better, you know, it's like, it's like writing, uh, something that you're going to speak to a friend or, or something that's very important to you. You don't want to go in and, and, and not communicate it. Well, you want to, you want that feeling and that, um, the motives behind that to come across well. And so you prepare well for the studio. You make sure you have your stuff down, which we always do. And, um, 
you just, I mean, it's no different than going on the basketball court or going into a courtroom. You, no matter what your thing is, if you want to be successful, you have to mean it. You have to believe it. And you have to be honest about it and give it your all. That's really all it is. As this album is about to come out next Friday, the 10th, what's the plan for the cold stairs in 2023? We've got a couple uh, concert release shows around the record. So we've got one in our hometown and we've got one in Nashville. Um, and then we've got some midway Midwest uh, runs in uh, March and April. In May, we head out for uh, Europe and we, I think we've got eight or nine countries that we're doing between May and end of June. Um, and then July, we're back over in France. And then uh, end of July, we're in the UK again and we're playing the Made of Stone Festival, which is the, the new name for the Ramblin' Festival, Ramblin' Man Festival. Um, and then August uh, through the rest of the year, we're back here in the States touring to support the record. I think we're going to have some, uh, some live releases and maybe a couple new singles before the end of the year. I wanted to, to approach another album before the end of the year. And I don't think the record label is behind putting one out that quick, but uh, we feel like it's important to at least have new music out every couple months with the way the world is now and the way Spotify works. And, um, so we we intend to to release some more music um, throughout the year, and you never know if it'd be a new studio recording. But we're released, but we're definitely doing studio recording this this year as we go along. With I've got the next album already written, so we we start working on it um, as the touring slows down a little bit later this year. For selfish purposes, is, is there going to be a Chicago show before you go over to Europe? I think there is a Chicago, uh, we're playing, uh, Pomeroy, Ohio. And, um, yes, there actually there is because we've got to run through Ohio and up in Chicago in April, I believe. So yeah. Yep. I think so. That's good news. That's, that's exciting news for me. Cause I, I've, uh, the cold stairs have become that band that I have to see every time they come. To Chicago. So, and yeah, I always add a bonus if you play in Milwaukee or Madison, because then I can do two shows in two nights. Yeah. I'm excited for you to see us as a, as a three piece. It's a, it's been a blast playing as a three piece and um, a lot of, a lot of changes live. So fantastic. Yeah. Chris, man, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate the conversation. Thank you for having me, Jay. Great show. And I appreciate you having me on again. The band is The Cold Stairs. The guest is Chris Tapp. Go to thecoldstairs.com where you can pre-order their album. You can get the link to pre-save the album. Both are very important to the artist. Obviously, buying a physical copy helps the artist, but also pre-saving the album and any single they release always helps with the algorithms, always helps with numbers that, unfortunately, that's the name of the game these days in the industry. So they're both equal. Um, even though maybe the band doesn't get paid on the streams, it does help them um, secure tours, secure management, secure a lot of different things. So go do that. Go follow them on social media. All the links are on the website. Uh, for my European fans and UK fans, the tour dates are on the website, too, as well. Again, thecoldstairs.com. The album is Voices, out March 10th, and uh, that's next Friday. So it is upon us. 
Thanks again for Chris. Once again, I am Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other. We will talk soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.